Welcome back, or welcome to the Strajos Global Podcast with your host, myself, Nate Reich. Today on episode 7, my cousin Georgia Moline jumps on the podcast. This is a conversation that's been on my bucket list for some time now. Georgiana is a Pac-12 champion, 2012 Olympic finalist in the 400 hurdles, Adidas-sponsored athlete, and much more. By the way, if you aren't following Georgiana on Instagram, what are you doing? Georgiana's road to Tokyo has been a bit whiny, but as we all know, success is never straight. It's filled with twists and turns when we least expect it, but that's what makes it worthwhile. The quote by David Goggins always reminds me of Georgiana. We all want to take this four-lane highway we always step over the shovel. All I did was pick up that shovel and made my own path. In my eyes, Georgiana made her own path. Even though she missed the 2016 Olympic Games, it happened for a reason. Now with the Games just a year away, she's rounding into form and is going to be the best version of herself when she toes the line in Eugene for the Olympic Trials next summer. In my conversation with Georgiana, we talk about her journey into athletics, the evolution of her why, what all goes into high performing, and much more. Without further ado, my conversation with my cousin, Georgian Moline. All right, very special welcoming to my cousin, Georgian Moline. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Georgian. Thank you so much for having me. I am so pumped. <laughs> yes, yes, I am, I am so excited too. It's been something I've always wanted to do. So to uh, start off, how are you doing? Uh, how, how are things in uh, Tucson? Things are good. You know, definitely everyone's worlds are now being turned upside down because of COVID. So haven't been able to get into the U of A facilities or anything like that. But thankfully, I have a high school track we've been using, which is actually pretty beautiful. So, you know, just trying to make things work the best way that we can. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. How has the weather been? Oh, hot. Like, uh, I think yesterday was like 110 or 11. I mean, it's just hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. And to kind of give everyone a a frame of reference, most of my audience are Paralympic athletes because obviously I'm a Paralympic athlete. So give them a a frame of reference. uh, How did you start in the the track and field? And yeah, how did you just get started? Yeah, it's really interesting. But in high school, you know, that's when I started. I didn't do club or anything like that, but I knew everyone made the team. So I was like, and I was really shy. So I was like, okay, they won't cut me. I don't have to worry about trying out. Like everyone makes the team. And my mom was just like, hey, you don't have to have a job, but you got to do clubs or sports or something, Georgian, you know? And I was like, okay. And it kind of just, like, came together from there. I really loved running. And my coach pulled me aside. He's like, you're, you're pretty tall. Uh, you should do the hurdles. Come to find out, he recruited everyone to do the hurdles <laughs> because nobody wanted to do them. <laughs> and, of course, I fell for it. I was like, okay, I guess I'll try. Of course, I hated it because it's not natural to sprint and jump over something. So, um, but my mom was like, you you can't quit. You give them your word. You have to follow out for the year. And so that's what I did. And then I ended up making state and I was like, hey, I kind of like this whole track thing. Maybe I should um, continue with it. And that's, yeah, that's really how it started. Yeah. And then it's crazy. Like you started your freshman year and then I believe your junior year, you won your first state title. How was that yeah. evolution? Because at first, I believe you got into it because of your friend. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you're state champ. And uh, did your why evolve at, at all uh, from that first year? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because when state in both hurdles junior year, and I started learning about, well, more my senior year, I started learning about how you can get scholarships for school. And so I was like, wow, that would take a big load off my mom. 
And, you know, and, and that way I don't have to, you know, just be in debt and take out money. So like, let me try to do that. And that's where the, the, you know, my mind kind of was at in that sense, but I still wasn't thinking of Olympics. I mean, that even crossed my mind. It was more like, okay, let me just pay for school. That would be fun to be a student athlete. Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And before we get into your college career, um, I think we have to talk about your mother, um, <laughs> Carrie. She is fantastic. <laughs> Um, she loves you so much. <laughs> uh, she's my favorite. So, um, how is how did she impact your career? And of course, more than more important than your track career, uh, how did she impact you as a person? Oh, my mom has been through so much in life. I mean, she literally started writing a book, and I want her to finish it so people can really, you know, really see like what she's been through. It's pretty intense. My mom's a marine. So, you know, she's intense, but not really. She's like the sweetest person you'll ever meet, but um, she, she likes structure. And so that's where I learned that like, okay, I have to have structure in my life. I have to have goals. I have to have these things because my mom instilled them in me. And I watched firsthand, you know, my mom really struggle in her life with like, you know, divorce. And I mean, there's so many things <laughs> that she's gone through, but watching her go through them has shown me her resiliency. And I'm like, wow, my mom it doesn't matter. You throw anything at her and she's going to come on top. And so that she's kind of like my hero and the person I look up to and my mentor and my best friend. Yeah, definitely. Is there one or two things that she really preached or instilled in you uh, growing up? Yeah, she always told me, she's like, you know, she always told me you're going to be great. You understand that? And I was like, okay. She's like, whatever you want to do, you put your mind to it and you're going to be great. And this is far before track or anything. I don't even think she really knew what I was going to do or where that was going to lead, but she just knew you're destined for greatness, Georgian. And as long as you believe it, you will achieve it type of thing. And so that's, that was one thing that I, to this day, I'm just like, wow, my mom always saw it in me. And like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. So yeah. And, um, just kindness. My mom's like, you always treat people with respect. You always love people. And even if they don't treat you with the same respect, that's not why you're treating them with respect. You're treating them with respect because that's who you are. You understand me? And so like, it was just always, no matter what paths I crossed or where I would go out in my life, I just always wanted to be respectful and love people and care about people. And that was something that's always been important to me, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. And then of course we can't, talk about your college career without talking about coach <laughs> coach Harvey uh every time I've met him the one thing I think is uh character um and I was just curious how what is it like being being coached by him because he's not like other coaches or at least the coaches no. I have I have experienced oh you're so right Nate like he is one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met in my life and I just am so lucky to get to call my coach but he truly cares about people. And he's told me from the beginning, like, if you decided today you didn't want to do track, it would not make me love you less. It, I would not change my opinion about you. And it wouldn't change my opinion about what I think you can do in track. It, whether, you know, he's like, I do this for you. I do this because I know you love it. And I see your potential. And I know you want to see how far this can take you. And so he's always just cared about people for who they are, never for their ability, athletic ability, ever. I mean, he is just the most understanding, kind, generous human I've ever met. Like, and I, yeah, it's crazy because he, I've been with him for 12 years. I mean, it's, it's awesome because we just have a great partnership. We're so different, but that's what makes us work so well together. 
Yeah, one thing that I just find so appealing about him is that, you know, he doesn't know me well, but, like, when I talk to him, like, he, I, I feel like I've known him for four years. And when I see him at Canadian Championship, he's always like, Nate, what's up, man? How you doing? And it's, it's, just, it's just so cool, to, you know, to uh, have a person like that in your life. Yeah, I love that because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're, like, Joe off the street that he's never met before or you're like a world record holder he's going to treat you the same and you're like you said so many people say that when they go up to him and they talk to him it's like wow I feel like I've just known him for so long and I and I haven't <laughs> like and I get that all the time with him it's, it's really yeah that's really funny you say that <laughs> absolutely now let's dive back into your career uh how was that transition from high school to college because you know you go from the 300 hurdles to the 400 hurdles and that I assume that's a, a very hard transition. Uh, how is that for you? Yeah, at first it was more of like the mental transition, right? Like in my head thinking, are you serious? I die at the line in 300 hurdles and you want me to go another hundred meters. <laughs> but what I quickly started to realize is that coach Harvey, when I came in, he always told me, he's like, I will never put you in something that you can't handle. And I will always prepare you for, to be great, you know? And he's like, I will never, you know, I will never set you up for failure. And so <laughs> he trained me. I mean, I had never trained that hard in my life. Like in high school, I kind of got away with just, you know, I worked hard, but like being talented, to be honest. And then you get to college and I'm just like, I would cry. I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore, mom. This is so hard. And uh, so I guess all that to say that, he prepared me so that in the four and a hurdles, it honestly didn't feel like a huge change. It felt like the 300 hurdles to me. It's hard, but the 300 hurdles felt hard to me in high school. So uh, yeah, he prepared me to, you know, feel like prepared when I would go to races. Yeah, definitely. And now let's fast forward to 2012. Uh, what, what goals did you set up to, uh, for yourself prior to the season? Did you think the, the Olympics was a uh, possibility? You know, it's so funny, and I bet you some, like, <laughs> like I felt like I tell this story a lot, but I, I, it still, like, amazes me because I'm like, gosh, Coach Harvey really knew what he was saying because that year, the junior, my junior year, I got injured, and so I had to sit out the whole indoor season. So in my head, I'm thinking, like, all right, let me just go for outdoor. I don't even know what to think. And he's like, hey, this is such a good thing. And I'm like, a good thing? I'm injured. He's like, no, we can go back to things that we – we kind of got away from, we can really build your strength levels. We'll do a lot of stuff in the pool and on the bike. It'll be great. And I'm like, all right, I got to believe this man. He's never let me down. So I got to believe him. And so he was right. Like I, it started like coming together. Then I remember my first race. Um, I was trying to go out of blocks week before and I was like, coach. So my injury, sorry, I didn't even disclose that is, uh, I pulled my PCL. So back of my knee. And so when I got into blocks, I'm like, this feels so uncomfortable. It really hurts to go out of blocks. He's like, okay, no problem. We don't need them. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay. And he's like, yep, we don't need them. And so I didn't worry about like, wait, that sounds kind of crazy. We don't need blocks in the 400 hurdles, but okay. But like, yeah, just go into a four-point stance. You'll be fine. I was like, okay. He said, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Go to my first race. I win. And of course, before the race, everyone's looking at me like, who's this girl thinks she is? Like, She's in a four-point stance, no blocks, like kind of laughing at me. And then the second race I won, no blocks. Third race I won, no blocks. And I was undefeated. And then when you get to regionals, like the first round of nationals, you have to use blocks. And so that was my first time. And, of course, I used blocks and it was fine. But 
um, it was crazy because like, you know, going to nationals, I was the favorite to win. I was so excited. I was like my first national title and I fall on my face in the eighth hurdle. You know, I'm, I know you know that. And I, it was just devastating. And of course there goes coach Harvey. He's like, Hey, it's okay to feel pain. You put a lot of work in and this hurts, but you know, what's going to make this feel so much better. And I was like, what? Like nothing's going to make this feel better. He's like, Oh no, you make that Olympic team. And in my head, I'm like, this man's crazy. Like Olympics me. And that was honestly the first time I actually really thought like, Oh shoot, like I can make this Olympic team and I don't want my season to end the way it has. So I have to make this team and, you know, went on to make the team, but there were so many things I could have looked at that year of like, oh, I got injured, or oh, I'm not using blocks, or oh, I fell at nationals. But those were the things that honestly, without them happening, I I wouldn't have made that team because I would have been so content with winning a national title. It wouldn't have mattered to me, to be honest. I would have went for the experience at trials, you know? But yeah, I'm so grateful for those setbacks. Yeah, definitely. And did that... <laughs> Did that fall at regionals affect your focus or, or confidence going into the, the, uh, into the trials? I mean, I know you have Coach Harvey who's probably telling you, Georgian, you got this, but uh, how was that like internally? Yeah, of course, you know, you battle with that. Like, oh, shoot, what if this happens again? But to be honest, I didn't let my mind go there. It, it, it went there for a little bit, but then I was like, wait, this happened. Like, I started thinking about all the times I did go over the hurdle. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I fell this one time, but how many times have I not fallen? I was like, okay, I'm fine. I got this. And I I, I just couldn't let my mind go there or else I knew that it would eat me alive. And so, yeah, but it was definitely a thought. Of course, it was a thought. Yeah. Yeah. And then now let's go to the trials. That was my first time personally seeing you run. Um, That was probably like one of my coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, So I was like, dang, that's my cousin. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and I, I was actually, for the final, I was standing next to Coach Harvey. Um, it was me, him, and my oh. dad, Todd, um, which, yeah. was, which was super cool. And so can you tell me how the rounds were and what was your thoughts going into that final? Yeah, so the first two rounds were relatively just, like, easy for me mentally in the sense that I was just like, hey, I'm just going to go out here and try to PR. That's what I always thought every race. Like, let's just PR. Like, why not? And um, it wasn't until after the semis when I had made the final that night before I broke down. I started crying. I was like, oh, tomorrow I find out if, you know, if my life's going to be changed and I'm going to be an Olympian and that's a title I will carry on forever or I or I just won't be and my life will go on like normal to be fine. But it was such a hard, hard moment for me. I just I could not sleep because it like. It's all I could think about. And then, of course, yeah, I talked to Coach Harvey, and, and he's, like, letting me cry. And he's just like, yeah, but see what you want, okay? He's like, if you go out there and you beat Georgian, it is enough. I don't care what the outcome is, but if you go out there and you just be you, it's enough. I still love you. Your mom still loves you. Your family still loves you. Friends still care. Like, nothing changes. And I was like, wow, you're right. It's not life or death. Like, I'm just going to go out there and – it's going to be okay. And that's what helped me. But of course I was nervous out of my freaking mind. Yeah. I mean, I get nervous for everything. (laughs) Yeah. It was a mess. That's awesome. And then obviously you made the team and then you got to go to the Olympics in London. Um, You know, what was, what was your expectations going into the Olympics or did you even have them? You know, it was kind of like 
the same mentality I carried that whole year. And that was just like, okay, just go out there, be you. And I kept thinking, like the first round, I remember um, the commentator saying like, whoa, she really went for it. Because in my head, I was like, I'm going to PR. And I know people have a strategy with rounds. And now, you know, I'm, I understand how to run rounds. But back then, Coach Harvey, he's like, I don't want – you just go out there and you be you. I, you can recover in 24 hours. You're going to be fine. Because he knew that if he told me, hey, just run it easy, I would be like, what? You know, you, you, you don't know what easy means or like, oh, just relax and just kind of, you know, feel it out. He knew that maybe I would like overcompensate and just not even run my race and like mess it up. So he was just like, no, be you. And so, yeah, that was just my mentality was to be myself. And um, it was funny because I like, I really sprinted the first round and everyone's like, wow, uh, does she not get the memo that like, you can kind of, you know, be a little more calm. And I was like, nope, I'm not taking any chances. That's not happening. <laughs> so yeah, and I just carried that on each round. And I, I, I didn't really have expectations. I wanted to make the final. And of course, I'm going for medal, like regardless of how crazy people thought that was like, why would I go just to go like I'm gonna have a goal like I'm gonna go for go big like why not like there's nothing to lose you know so yeah that's kind of what my mentality was yeah and then off that as 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 you know I mean there's so much more to performance than just the just, just the physical side um and so let's kind of talk about the the uh, mental aspect of of the sport. I always describe it as a painter's palette. You want to have all these tools to be able to pull. Um, and so yeah. how does mental training go into your uh, competing? Nate, I love that when you say tools, because that's something I always say is like, add, I, I use like toolbox as mine. Like I have to add more tools to the toolbox that I can use, but m the mental aspect is every for me. Um, I went through a couple years where I, you know, from the outside, it looked like I was living the life. I had a sponsorship with a, you know, a big shoe company and it was making, you know, I was getting into all these diamond leagues and making good money, but I hid my life. I hated waking up. I hated practice. I truly, I truly hated it. And I was ready to give it all up. And I cried every day. I remember just going into my bathroom and closing the door to just to like cry my eyes out just to like, I thought it would make me feel better. Nothing helped. And so I started to realize that my worth was based on how I did on the track. And so if I had a bad day, then it's like, well, you're worthless. Like, of course, no one cares about you because look at you, you don't even care about. The and I just spiraled into this really dangerous place. And um, I started seeing a psychologist and I still see a life coach who have helped me tremendously. And of course, you know, I'm human and I fall back into patterns and trauma that I've been through and and I start to really question myself but then it's a lot like you said like with the tools I have so many tools that help me get back to the truth of what is true because our egos and our minds are going to create stories around past experiences that's that's what that is it's like oh you've fallen before like what if you fall again and then you start to create a story or like oh you you know, you got injured and that means you're fragile and you're just going to get injured again and all these crazy things. And so now it's so much easier for me to like see the truth of like, oh no, that injury taught me so much. And I'm so grateful for that injury, but I'm strong. I'm fit. I, I'm, I'm in a great place. And so 
it's just always getting back to truth is what I say is what, what really helps me. But mental, the mental aspect is everything. I mean, it truly is everything, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, we are going to work our bodies, you know, like we work our bodies to the max and like the things that we do are to our bodies are like, how did we even do that? You know, but we have to train our mind the same way we really do. And so that's what I've been learning over the years. And I'm just so fortunate to be in a place that I can see things a little more clearly. Yeah, definitely. Do you have a mindfulness practice or like one or two things that when you kind of fall, you, you use to come, come back to center? Yeah. A lot of the time I use myself as motivation. So for the longest time I would look at other, whether I still look at other people for motivation, don't get me wrong. However, that was the only source of motivation I would use. And then when I would, when I started using myself, like, for example, I would write down a really hard workout that I did that I didn't think was possible that I could do. And not only did I do it, but I crushed the times. I would write it down and I would like put it up somewhere so I would see it and be like, wait, okay, I didn't cheat my way to do that. I didn't, someone else didn't do that workout for me. Like I did that. And like, holy cannoli, like (laughs) I am strong. And so Um, that's one thing that I like to do too, is just to like, look back at the things that I've done and use that as motivation as well, but also, um, practice gratitude, be grateful. Like when I look back and sometimes I want to feel bad for myself, like gosh, in another injury or this. And I'm like, wait, hold on. But Georgianne, your injuries were such blessings and you learned so much about your body and you learn how to be so in tune with your body. And you found your weaknesses and you made them your strengths. And without those injuries, you wouldn't be who you are right now. And just, you know, practicing gratitude as well has helped me. Yeah. And then obviously 2016, uh, you know, was, I assume a tough year, uh, not being able to compete at the Olympic trials. And from my understanding, you started working with a human movement for a lack of better word uh, group in, in, in Tucson, uh, can you tell us what you have learned and, and what have you incorporated uh, in your training? Yeah, so that injury, my back, um, that's why I had to pull out of the trials. Um, I had a herniated disc in L5S1, and I was just like, this is not happening, right? Like, ugh. And then I see a functional movement specialist, and he was not surprised. He's like, oh, yeah, it was just a matter of time. So, like, the way that you were doing things, you were just using your back and not engaging your core. And, you know, I had a pelvic tilt and all this stuff. And he truly, it was so crazy to me that he knew more about my body than I did. And that's what made me realize in that moment, I need to know about my body. I need to know, you know, what these movements feel like and actually understand them. And um, so he has taught me so much. I still see him to this day. It's, yeah, it was, uh, it was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me is to get that injury. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to relive it because that was such a hard time, but that needed to happen. You know, it needed to be that intense for me to be like, okay, I need to fix this. So, um, yeah, I still see him and it's been awesome. No back pain. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like as, as runners lens, we do so many things on two feet, but we're only on one foot when we run. And so you really have to understand that stability and that foot and it all starts with the ankle. Um, yeah. And I mean, yes. I think us athletes, we need to uh, educate ourselves. I think that's so important. You're so right, Nate. You hit it such a good point because we do so much like on two feet. And so when he started isolating things for me, I couldn't do them. 
I was like, how can I not do this? I have a six pack. I have this. And you like, you know, the way it like physically you look at me and you're like, oh, she looks fit. But I'm telling you, I had so many weaknesses and our bodies are so smart that they're going to compensate and they're going to find easy ways to get through those weaknesses so that you can do a movement. But when he made me really isolate certain movements, I, I physically could not do them. And he's like, no, we're going to work on this. And in a month, you'll be so surprised. You're going to do this movement. And that year after just seeing him after 2016 of getting injured, 2017, I ran my best race of my life and the fastest race in world history, 53.1 in the hurdles after a back injury. And it was because of the things that I learned about my body with this guy, Chip. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's changed my, it's changed my world for sure. Yeah. And of course I can't talk to you without talking about nutrition uh, you know, you yeah. talk about it so much. And every time you post something on Instagram, it makes me so hungry. And I'm like, seriously, I just <laughs> ate like 1500 calories. Georgiana is making me go back for some food. Um, what is one of your to-go meals uh, that you enjoy making? Yeah. So my lazy to-go thing, because it's so good and it's just simple, is like a Greek yogurt bowl. So for a while I did smoothie bowls too, but I love this Greek yogurt bowl because I just use plain Greek yogurt. I put honey for like the taste and extra carbs because some days I just need the carbs. <laughs> and then there's this granola that I absolutely love. It's from Bare Naked and it's like white chocolate macadamia nut. You have to try it. I mean, it's amazing. It has like pumpkin seeds and good fats and everything. And then I do just a bunch of berries and that's like my go-to easy. I don't want to make anything, but my, one of my, favorites that is loaded um is my bagel um breakfast sandwiches or my bagel sandwiches I love them and so I'll just do like a plain bagel and then once it's toasted I'll add in some like gold butter and then do um my eggs on top but sometimes I'll add in like bacon or I'll add in like spinach into the eggs and stuff and um yeah I love those I love breakfast sandwiches they never get old you know <laughs> Definitely. I definitely stole that one from you, um, for sure. After I saw you, <laughs> Did you? I was like, don't mind if I do. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think uh, we have a lot of younger athletes uh, listening to my podcast. And so what are one or two things that you think is important to know about, about, new, about nutrition? Yeah. So, well, well, for me, I'll talk on my experience is that nutrition scared me at first because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't have anything that tastes good. And I just don't know how to make things. I'm not like a crazy cook or anything. I don't know what to do. It starts simple. So I always say, let's say you're someone who likes to eat out a lot, okay? Find one meal, just one meal a day that you cook, okay? And make it simple. Like, okay, it needs to have a good carb, uh, a lean protein, and good fats, you know, with, with some veggies on the side. So like for dinners, like that was a meal that I'm like, I can do dinners. Okay, this will be easy. Um, because I'll be home after practice, I can do dinner. So I'm like, okay, I'll either do chicken or um, salmon or any type of fish. And then I'll do rice or I'll do like quinoa or I'll do like couscous or some type of like grain or noodle. And then I would pick um, vegetables and then healthy fat would either be like the olive oil or I'll do an avocado on the side, something like that. So if you can just think of your main like macronutrients, then you're good. And then you can get creative later on and just pick one meal that you kind of put some effort into. And to be honest, like one of the easiest things I do too, when I'm being really lazy is I'll put everything in the oven. I'm like, all right, salmon, we'll put this on a pan. We'll put some veggies on a pan. 
throw it in the oven, leave it alone for like 15 minutes, don't have to look at it, and then make some rice on the stove or something like that. And then it's all done at the same time. And then you have a healthy meal, you know, but also I think it's really important for people to know that anything in moderation is okay. Like you better believe I have cookies and you better believe I have cupcakes and things because I enjoy them. And you should never feel guilty about those things. And and that's one thing that would like really started to get to me is like, I was feeling guilty. And I was like, wait, this guilt is hurting me more than the bad, like the processed food is. So just be patient with yourself. Trying to be deliberate with what you're eating. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I mean, I think that healthy fast is something that's really important because I think kids think fat, like, oh, that's so bad for you. And it's, you actually eat it and it's actually super important. Yeah. Especially for athletes, fat is energy. And so if you're having like something with avocado before you go run or before you go lift or do whatever, that's so important to give you the energy that you need to feel good, like really, you know, dominate that workout. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Cause we grew up knowing like fats are bad. You don't want fats. And it's like, no, you need fats. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I know we've kind of barely touched on this, but personally for me, my paralysis in 2005 was the best thing that has, that has ever happened to me. Looking back on, on your setbacks, uh, what have they, what have they taught you? Yeah. First off, I want to tell you how motivational you are to me. Like me and my mom talk about you all the time. And like, I just think it's absolutely incredible and how positive you always are. And you're so happy. And I'm like, I like you just even talking to you or just, you know, when you write me on like, you know, you're supporting me on my social media and I'm like, it just makes my day. So I just wanted to let oh, you know that. Nate. So much. So much. <laughs> See, now I just was thinking about you. I forgot your question. What was your question? Um, so your, your setbacks, um, what have they taught you and, uh, and do you see them in a positive or negative light? Which I think I, I think I know that answer, but, um, I, I want to hear it coming from you, obviously. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I know it sounds so cliche, I feel like, but my setbacks have been, I, I would never change them. I mean, I'm so grateful for them. They've taught me that, you know, what we do we could be at the top of our game in the best shape of our lives and just anything can happen at any moment. So it's so important to really take the opportunities you're given and to take them with both hands and, and take advantage of them because you don't know when your last opportunity will be, you know, just like COVID what's going on. I would have never thought I wouldn't be able to really, I competed once this season. So grateful for that. However, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh man, there were so many times I took for granted where I was just so nervous. I didn't want to run. So I've even pulled out of races because I had high anxiety and looking back, I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to discount my anxiety. And it's like, that was real for me. But at the end of the day, like if I can always go back to, Hey, I've been given this beautiful opportunity and win, lose or draw, whatever happens, you know, I, I'm like, I'm going to be happy. I did it. And So I always like, that's what my injuries have taught me the most. And my setbacks is that, Hey, when you're given an opportunity, don't think twice, you take it and you go, it's going to be scary. It's going to be uncomfortable, but that's when you grow. You don't grow when you're comfortable. You don't, you don't get better when you're comfortable, you know, like think about practice when you're going through grueling practices, like they don't feel good, but that's how you get better and more fit. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's really what they've taught me. 
Yeah, that's right. No, 100%. And so I created this podcast to really educate me. Um, and so uh, one thing that I'm really passionate about, I have two younger sisters, and I was curious, what's the current state of female sport? Uh, and your eyes and uh, how can we improve? Is there one or two things that uh, you think we can work on? Of course, I think we always are in a state where we can always work towards, you know, equality and, and, and getting, um, getting to a place where that's, you know, that's possible. However, um, you know, what I love is that women are dominating and I love to see it. When I see my friends, like my teammate, she wears her red lipstick. She shows up on the track like, yeah, I'm here and I'm wearing red lipstick. And so what, you know, and that mentality. And that's why I love to wear like my fake eyelashes. And that's for me, that's my thing. It's like, I want to look like, I don't mind. I like looking done up and then going and running fast. Like that makes me feel good. And so women empowerment, women show it in so many different ways. And I think we're just getting like, we're just like dominating the world. And I just, I love it so much, but definitely like, you know, there isn't, it isn't equal in sports for men and women. Um, but I think we're getting so much closer to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I always yeah. love hearing it from different people and, uh, and it's funny whenever people ask who's the best athlete in my family, I say, I say my sister. My sister Avery, uh, yeah, a better athlete than I am. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really, I really yeah. appreciate it. So now we have some rapid fire, more kind of fun questions. Okay, um, cool. Since I just finished my downtime and I got really fat, um, I was wondering what your favorite dessert or go-to snack during your uh, down period. Oh, so the other day I had ice cream with Reese's in it, just crumbled up like a whole king size of like four Reese's, crumbled them into a big old bowl of ice cream. So um, but I love cupcakes. Chocolate cupcakes with chocolate frosting is like my go-to. I love it. And sometimes with a side of ice cream, like why not? But that's like my guilty pleasure is that. And I love a good glass of red wine or two glasses of red wine. You know, I love red wine. So that's my thing too. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Since I live in Victoria, coffee is huge here. So uh, do you prefer coffee or tea? I definitely prefer coffee. It's taken, you know, what's weird. I started liking coffee because when I was injured, the only thing that made me feel good or like put me in a mood was coffee. And that's how I started becoming a coffee drinker was um, my injury. I think it was in 2016. And I was like, Oh wait, coffee's like my thing. This stuff is good. <laughs> So this is, this is kind of a tough question, but which okay. memory do you cherish more, your Pac-12 title, your 2012 trials runner-up, or your fifth-place performance at the Olympic Games? You know what? It's going to have to be the Olympic trials second place because that whole year was just filled with so much adversity. And then that moment, I was like, yeah, life threw me every curveball I could imagine in, that, in those moments. But look where I am now. And, and just like, you know, it just, it was something I never saw for myself. And so, you know, going to the Olympics and placing fifth, of course, that was amazing. But that trials, like standing there, even though I got second, it was amazing. Like to Lashinda Demas, who was at the time our American record holder. And I was just looking at her like, wow, I'm like her teammate now. I, I like looked up to her, but now I'm like, no, we're teammates. Like how cool is that? <laughs> so that was definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and who is your most influential person outside your family? Oh, yeah. So Coach Harvey. <laughs> I mean, without a question. Yeah. So, yeah. 
um, he, he's never, his belief in me never wavered. His love for me has never wavered. His patience, his, I mean, I put him to the ringer. I gotta tell you, like, I'm an emotional person. So I'd have days where, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend and I'm crying and Coach Harvey's like, hey, come here. We're going to go to plan B today. Okay. We're not going to do this workout that I, I wanted you to do today. And you're going to be okay. But emotionally, like this is taxing on you. And he was just so patient. And I'm like, poor guy. I put him through a lot. <laughs> so you're sponsored by Adidas. I was wondering if you had a favorite outfit uh, that you'd like to wear outside of practice. Uh, Cause I know Adidas has a lot of just chilling clothes as well. Oh, they do. So recently I posted a video on my Instagram. It was with, um, I get a box. One of my sponsors is a meat company. And so they send me meat every month. So I wore like this, I'm really into like matching, matchy, matchy outfits. So it's like these shorts and this shirt, this crop top like shirt. And they're, they a hundred percent match. And they're like pink and blue and yellow and all these fun colors. And my friends call me an Easter egg when I wear it, but I love it. Cause it's like, it makes me happy. It's bright, fun colors, really matchy, matchy. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing right now. I love it. I wish I could just go run in it, but I can't. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you're also sponsored by X Endurance. What is, what is your favorite um, product they make? I know you take a lot of their supplements, but yeah. what, is what is your number one go-to? That has to be the Extreme Endurance because it reduces lactic acid and everyone, we call them the unicorn pills because it's like, okay, this can't be real or this has to be like illegal. It's like, no, it's not. Like, it is amazing. It's, I love that product. And, um, I would also say they also have a vegan protein lean, and that's also my favorite because it's just packed with so many, um, superfoods and, and vitamins and minerals. And, um, yeah, I love it. I just like the taste of it too. So those are probably my two go-tos. Awesome. And um, I know you've traveled all over the world, but is there still a place on your bucket list uh, that you're hoping to go to? Yeah, I've never been to South America. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I just want to go to South America. I'm like, take me anywhere. But um, where where is a place that I just, like, I love anywhere near, like, water, too. So if you take me to, like, a beach anywhere, I'm going to be happy. Um, but thankfully, I've gotten to a couple of places I've really wanted to go, which is like Switzerland. I love Switzerland. Yes. Finally went to Greece. I love Greece. So I just, I mean, take me anywhere in South America. Like, you know, I, I wanted to go to Brazil so bad and I'm like, no, but you know, <laughs> next time. <laughs> right. That's right. It's right. And so I know there's great authentic food in Arizona. Obviously I grew up there as well. Um, yeah. So what's your favorite restaurant in Tucson? Oh, uh, Oh my gosh, we have so many. Nate, gosh, so hard with food because I love food. I know. <laughs> Runs with the family, you know. Um, I love this kind of trendier, like we have real authentic Mexican food and I love all of our authentic Mexican food. However, there's this place that's more like a trendy, like Mexican, Mexican restaurant. And it's called Sace Kitchen, and I love it. It's, like, one of my favorite, And it's in a pretty, really pretty part of town with, like, the best view of the city when, um, when like, the sun sets and everything. And I'll, I'm all about, like, the ambiance of a place and stuff. So I would say, yeah, I would say Sace. Love it. Love it. And so now yeah. we have two fan questions. Um, okay. I picked this one because there might be some banter uh, from you on, on this I one. I knew <laughs> 
from okay. Jason St. Clair. I knew who, it. I freaking knew it. Who is your favorite agent? <laughs> He's so annoying. <laughs> okay. So Jason is the CEO of X and and he really changed my life. So there was a year I was unsponsored and it was really tough for me because I was kind of unexpected and I had come off an injury and I was just like, okay. And he's like, can I help? Can I help you? Like, we don't need to have a contract, but like, I don't know if you know what I do, Jordana. I'm like, well, you own X and He's like, yeah, but I'm also an agent and, and I, I can help you with sponsorships. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, I don't want anything from you, but do I have your permission to represent you and to help you? And I said, I would love that. And he really taught me how to brand myself and how that, you know, we are our own brands and it's important to like understand that like we, you know, we can go in different avenues and, and be more than just an athlete. And so, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful for him and he for sure is the best agent. I'll give him that, but you know, he'll probably listen to this. I'm going to tell him, Hey, don't listen to this part. I'm going to cut it out. <laughs> but he's, he's awesome. Yeah. So, th- and then there's a more training specific question from the go hurdles, Instagram page. Uh, what is one of your indicator workouts that you do prior to a race? Yeah. So what I like to do is, um, I like to do something hurdle based. So whether it's go over the first four hurdles or, you know, if it's about a week out, I like to do like a 200 meters over hurdles. Um, that kind of gives me the confidence I need going into a hurdle race, but I also like to do some flat speed work, um, because I know my base is there, but when it comes to that time of the year, I love to do like an, an all out 150 or all out 200 and, and just, you know, feel, you know, and you just feel fast and you're like, Ooh, okay, I got this, you know, just kind of reiterates that like, okay, I'm ready. I'm fit. So those are my two go-tos, I think, definitely before a race, a week and a half out or so, yeah, a week out. Absolutely, and I have the closing two questions now that I ask every guest first. Where can people find you on on the socials? What are, uh, what are your handles? Yeah, so I'm really active on Instagram, so that'll be Georgian400H. And then um, same for Twitter, but I'm really bad at Twitter recently. I need to get better at it. <laughs> um, so those are my two go-tos. And yeah, and usually if anyone writes me in DMs, I try my hardest to get back to people. So if they write me with questions or anything, uh, I will definitely try my hardest to, to, you know, get back to everyone. And yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like I remember I asked a couple of my friends, like if they, if they knew you like, no. And then I told them your Instagram handle. They're like, Oh, of course I know who she is. I'm like, I'm like, you guys are too funny. Um, I know. That's funny. And then, uh, lastly, what do you want your impact to be on the world? I, I think I've always, for me, it's always been important. Like tying back into what my mom's instilled in me is like kindness. And I just always, of course I want to, to change lives through being vulnerable in my story of what I've been through and be vulnerable and, and transparent with me having anxiety and going through some really traumatic times in my life mentally. And so I, I just want people to know that like you are so worthy and what we do and what you do is, is, is just a part of who you are, but it's not who you are. And there's not one moment in time that could that could discount everything that you've done you know so and so often we do that and i just want people to to just understand that and to know that no matter what like you're so worthy and i just want to through my whole journey is to you know leave a legacy of like she was always kind 
and it didn't matter who, who it was like, she was always kind to me. And, um, I think that's always been really important to me is just to show kindness and, um, with people and love and yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you so much for your time. This was such an honor for me, something that was on my bucket list. So uh, thank you so much. I really uh -huh. appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Nate. This was so fun. So I really appreciate it.